It's Saturday, October the 3rd, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, Donald Trump goes to hospital and the EU imposes sanctions on Belarusians. First, the week in brief. President Donald Trump was taken to hospital out of abundance of caution after being diagnosed with COVID-19, a spokesperson said, and started taking an experimental antibody treatment. His wife, Melania, also tested positive. Meanwhile, the coronavirus has struck other members of Mr. Trump's party, Kellyanne Conway, a former councillor, Ronna McDaniel, the head of the Republican National Committee, and two senators all tested positive. However, Mike Pence, the vice president who could assume the presidential office if Mr. Trump were incapacitated, tested negative. So did Joe Biden, the Democratic challenger in November's election, who faced Mr. Trump in an ill-tempered debate on Tuesday. He sent the Trumps his well wishes. The EU placed sanctions on 40 Belarusian officials accused of cracking down on peaceful protesters and rigging August's presidential election. Alexander Lukashenko, the president, has not been penalised, although EU leaders hinted that this could happen later. All EU member states reject the outcome of the election that returned Mr Lukashenko to power. The Armenian foreign ministry said that it was ready to engage in peace talks after nearly a week of armed conflict with its neighbour, Azerbaijan. The clash over Nagorno-Karabakh, an Armenian-controlled region of Azerbaijan, has claimed over 100 lives. The announcement was a response to a joint call for the cessation of hostilities by America, France and Russia. Ethiopia filed terrorism charges against four suspects over the murder in June of a popular Oromo musician, Hachalu Hundessa. Oromos are the largest ethnic group in Ethiopia and recently the most rebellious. The singer's death sparked riots in Addis Ababa, the capital, which killed more than 166 people. Last week, 2,000 people were charged in connection with the violence. The recovery in the American jobs market slowed in September after the country's fiscal stimulus package expired in the summer. Only 661,000 jobs were added to non-farm payrolls in September, compared with a monthly average of 1.6 million in July and August. Just 11.4 million of the 22.2 million jobs lost because of the COVID-19 pandemic have been replaced since April. Up to 159,000 hospitality jobs could be lost in New York City next year, according to an audit issued by the state comptroller. The report predicts that half of the city's restaurants could be forced to close because of the pandemic and estimates that one-third have already done so. The job losses are affecting immigrants most of all. And Walmart agreed to sell its majority stake in Asda, a British supermarket chain. The sale to TDR Capital, a private equity firm, and Mohsin and Zuba Issa, a pair of British brothers with an international convenience store empire, values the chain at £6.8 billion, $8.8 billion. Walmart had been frustrated in an attempt to merge Asda with its rival, Sainsbury's. And now, here's today's agenda. A First Lady First, White House Women on Display. 
America's National Portrait Gallery, known for its permanent collection of presidential portraits, is pushing first ladies to the fore in its upcoming exhibition. The museum announced this week that Every Eye is Upon Me will open next month as part of an initiative focusing on American women's history. Taking its title from a letter Julia Gardner Tyler wrote in 1844 after marrying John Tyler, the 10th president, the exhibition will be the first major project to use portraiture to explore the historical importance of the First Lady's role. The display, which will also include various First Lady's clothing and photographs by Annie Leibovitz, will tell the oft-neglected stories of the women who have assumed this prominent, non-elected position, from Martha Washington to Melania Trump. Expect as many visitors as COVID-19 guidelines will allow. According to the exhibition's curator, Gwendolyn Dubois-Shaw, First Lady portraits are among the most widely requested works at the gallery. Cultural reappropriation, stealing art or remedying injustice. A remarkable trial began in Paris this week. It features five activists who entered the Quai Branly Museum in June and took a 19th century African funerary staff from its display, declaring, we're taking it home. They did not remove it from the museum. The group, led by a Congolese activist, Mwazulu Diabanza, has staged similar raids in Marseille and the Netherlands, hoping to bring attention to the restitution debate. Before the start of the trial on Wednesday, Mr. Diabanza said, We had no intention of stealing this work, but we will continue as long as the injustice of pillaging Africa has not been remedied. The judge refused to be drawn in, saying, We are here to judge an infringement, not to judge history. According to Mr. Diabanza's lawyer, the accused face up to 10 years in prison if convicted of theft of a historic object. A verdict is expected in the next fortnight. Jog on, London's socially distanced marathon. The London Marathon, which marks its 40th birthday on Sunday, has always been equal parts elite sporting event and celebration of amateur achievement. Numerous world records have tumbled in London over the years, while amateurs have raised more than £1 billion, $1.3 billion for charity. Remarkably, both groups will get to run this year. 100 professionals will complete 19 laps of a shortened course in St. James's Park, while 45,000 others will put themselves through their paces over a 26.2-mile, socially distanced route of their choosing, logging their progress via an app. The race director, Hugh Brasher, expects the professional course to be fast. The current world record holder, Eliud Kipchoge, will wear the controversial Nike AlphaFly shoes that helped him set an unofficial sub-two-hour time in 2019. That Mr Kipchoge even has a shot at making it official is a testament to the organiser's determination and ingenuity. Breaking the sound barrier, Deaf You the world's 466 million deaf people are as diverse as any other group of such a size. Netflix's new docuseries, Deaf You, premiering next week, gives a small taste of that variety. The programme follows pupils at Gallaudet University, America's top college for the deaf and hard of hearing, as they go about their uniquely complex lives. Some things, such as dating, will be familiar to hearing viewers. Others, like going on dates in a world that is not deaf-friendly, will be new. The series is illuminating for those with hearing loss as well, some of whom wonder if they are deaf enough, a question that the show's creator, Niall DeMarco, would answer with an emphatic yes.
A Gallaudet alumnus and the first deaf winner of America's Next Top Model, Mr. DiMarco says he made the program to remove the stigma of hearing loss and show that there truly is no right way to be deaf. A Mother's Gift Feeding Feces to C-Section Babies Caesarean sections are often essential, but they do present risks to infants, among them higher rates of asthma and allergies caused by a lack of exposure to the mother's microbiota, gut bacteria which profoundly affect human health during vaginal birth. Now, Research in Cell, a journal, has described a pioneering technique for gifting C-section babies with a vibrant internal ecosystem. Maternal fecal microbiota transplantation is the technical name, but basically it involves feeding newborns their mother's excrement. Just a soupçon, mind, 3.5 milligrams diluted in breast milk. After three months, the babies suffered no ill effects and their microbiota was similar to babies born vaginally. Coprophagia, or eating feces, usually turns the stomach, but for newborns, immersion in maternal bodily fluids is perfectly healthy. And as gut flora are increasingly associated with certain chronic illnesses, this treatment could drastically improve children's health throughout their lives. Hardly something to be sniffed at. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Jean Ennui, who died on this day in 1987. To die is nothing. Begin by living. It's less funny and lasts longer. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.